Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl, Mitzi, and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it. Today, we are thinking about an audacious challenge. And you know what really got to me is that word audacious because, man, not a lot of people do much audacious challenges nowadays. But luckily for me, I have a special guest on my show, this lovely individual, Aaron, that is going to share his personal story with us that I am excited to share with the rest of you guys. So Aaron, thank you for coming on my show. You look awesome. I'm loving the poof. <laughs> I like it. You know, I ever since I was like probably in what, sixth grade, I've been wanting salt and pepper here. <laughs> I and like I the way you said time, that. Yeah. So I figured once I got it, I would get Italian suits to wear. But it's too hot in Houston. So I'm leaving oh. Italian suits to somebody else. I, well, yeah, I know. I heard that the other day in Houston, it was like over 118 degrees. And I'm just like, yeah, you can barely wear clothes walking out of, on the street yeah, on Houston. The, the humidity makes it feel that way. It was uh, about 106 with that feel like. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Cause that's, that's, excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, you're perfectly, you're perfectly so, fine. It, um, it doesn't, once it get that hot, it doesn't matter. Cause it's just all miserable. I know it's like a, it's like an oven. You're just walking there, just cooking slowly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I guess to get back onto the topic, what really made you want to challenge yourself to to do something so amazing. And for my audience that don't really know, I mean, this man right here went on 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 weeks, goodness, to celebrate his 50th birthday. I'm telling you, that is amazing and somewhat challenging and hard to really comprehend that you were able to do it. I mean, were you able to do it? Well, don't forget about the $50,000 I was trying to raise for St. Jude's Children Research Hospital. That was like the most important part of it. Um, my quest to run 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 weeks um, was was that. It, it was a quest. Uh, this, the craziest thing is, is that there was a pandemic going on around the world and things were shutting down, shut down. So it was, it was you, I mean, to plan that just regularly, the logistical nightmare is real, but to plan it with races canceling at the last minute or they having stipulations um, that were unrealistic, uh, like one marathon wanted everybody to be finished in five hours. And it's like, everybody can't be finished in five hours. The medium marathon for women is uh, just up under five hours. The one for men is just up under four hours. Um, but it was, it was really impossible for me because uh, about five years before that, I went through a workplace shooting where I got shot five times. And so I was trying to do this to celebrate my 50th birthday yeah. for the fact that one, I was still alive after being shot at point bank range. One, two, I was doing it 
to have some sort of hope in humanity. Um, Cause I went through some, something very, very shocking, very, very terrible at a time where it wasn't heard of like it is right now. So if you can imagine that was 2015, November 28th, 2015, the day after black Friday, I was in retail management. We had a situation happen and it went south real quick. Wow. And so I ended up getting shot in my upper left torso, uh, where a bullet hit my rib cage and ricocheted, took a chunk of skin out. Um, I was on the ground after that. Uh, the gentleman was standing over me and he began to just, you know, unload his his gun and it was it was so surreal um i wasn't afraid of anything however my body the adrenaline the the um i guess you could say the fear that your body has naturally that mm -hmm. fight or flight mentality um my blood pressure when that uh when the paramedics checked me the blood pressure was like 268 over 200 <laughs> so i was like oh, sky high when it came to that um but i remember saying to myself god is this is, is this the way it is when somebody's about to murder you because i just remember that you know i'm thinking about my kids what are they going to mm -hmm. think what are you going to think when they hear what happened to me who's going to you know make sure that they be okay and it was like God just slowed down everything to where I could see the guy pulling his uh, trigger finger. Mm -hmm. And when he went to pull it, the spirit of God told me to roll out the way, which I did. That was the kill shot that was going towards my chest while I was wow. on the ground with my hands up like this. And then when I rolled over, mm -hmm. he told me to run. And so I got up on my feet and I ran and I heard the guy shoot four more times, which I got hit in the back area um, four times. I stayed low, gave him a very small target. Just so happened that the target was my um, gluteus maximus in my leg area. I had a bullet go through um, my leg, come out my inner thigh next to my femoral artery, missed it by a centimeter. And then I had a bullet removed by surgery and um, I have a bullet fragment on my left gluteus maximus that's real small, but it's irritating, very, very irritating. And then I had one that's embedded that went into my actual right gluteus maximus. Mm -hmm. And so that is that has caused my leg to um, be progressively getting weaker. Uh, so five years after all this happened, I'm working with my psychologist and psychiatrist to do something to try to have some meaningful thing in life to get up, to get out, to do something. And so my doctor asked me, he said, well, what could you do that would be meaningful for you to, you know, get up, get out, because I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with anxiety. I suffered from PTSD. Yeah. And so I told him, I said, run. And so I began to pray and God put this on my heart. And so 
it was crazy because about uh let's see i think it was like october um of 2020 i began to plan it and everything and then two weeks before i actually started running my brother's granddaughter uh was diagnosed with uh stage four cancer at the age of two. Oh my goodness so even the choosing of me running for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which by the way, uh, she got help through make Ronald McDonald's house. Um, but even then with with the choosing of the the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, I felt that God was just sovereignly in the midst of it and encouraging me the whole time. But it was a challenge. I remember the first, the first marathon was my birthday weekend, January 15th. And I was going to start in Houston, Texas at the Chevron Marathon. They canceled. So I was like, oh, man. So I had to scramble to find another one. And this is like within a couple of weeks. So I found the Louisiana Marathon, which, by the way, I have their shirt on today. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I found them, and guess what? They canceled. Goodness and then gracious. I found the third one as we got closer, and guess what? It canceled. Is so, that discouraging? You know what I mean? Because like you feel like I'm doing something because God put it in my heart, and then you go for it, and then it's like boom, 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 just knocking you back down. It's like God, this was from you. What do we do? I mean, yeah. how did it, you it handle you that? Yes, it huh? makes you question. You know, was it was it God putting someone on your heart, or did you have heartburn the night before? <laughs> so, you know. Um, I was like, just like, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So I find this marathon on the East Coast off of uh, South South Carolina, Hilton Hilton Head. Um, There's a a marathon called the Dafowski Island Marathon, which is literally uh, south of the Hilton Head Island. And you have to take a um, you have to take a boat over to get to the island in order to run the marathon. So I get there the week of, I register, get me a ticket, and I fly there, and I'm there, I'm gonna run this marathon, it's my birthday weekend, I'm so happy. The marathon is literally on my birthday. Okay. I get to the island, get get off of the boat, walk through the docks, come up on the island by the main house of the island. And they have this beautiful setup with these tents and everything, these heaters, because it's cool in the morning time. Um, But beautiful island, beautiful. And um, so I go, you know, I'm, I'm walking up and it's all these people welcoming people, right? So I get there and this lady says, you're you're Aaron Burroughs. You're you're the guy that paces a lot of marathons. I was like, yes. She's like, can I take a picture with you? So she took a picture with me, mm-hmm. and then which I felt like was um, di- distracting me while mm-hmm. people did something for me. And so after we took the picture, I go up to the tent 
to get it, you know, to, to check in and everything. And all these people are up there and the lady says, what's your name? And I say, Aaron Burles. And she says, you're Aaron Burles. I say, yes. Yeah. She says, everybody, this is Aaron Burles. And then all of a sudden, they start singing happy birthday to me. I was just like, oh, my God. So I didn't have my, you know, I wasn't recorded or anything. didn't have my camera on. So after they got finished, I was like, that was so amazing. I have no idea what this means to me. I said, do y'all mind doing it again so I can record it? (laughs) (laughs) So um that's a special marathon to me um very beautiful people there beautiful marathon beautiful island and they raise funds for sea turtles um yeah to protect and take care of sea turtles and the 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 metal that you get is in the shape uh of a sea turtle very beautiful it has a, a leather looking back to it it is so awesome but from there i would go on to doing other marathons and it just got it got no better um I could imagine because I remember hearing on the news during that time. Oh, we had to cancel the event. We had to cancel this marathon. We had to cancel this, this, and this. So that's kind of amazing how you were still able to find a way through the storm. You know what I mean? And I mean, they canceled the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show. That was big. Yeah, I mean, so, I know my my husband's from Houston, and he says that the rodeo show down there is a big deal. Like people don't know yeah. that the rodeo show is the place where you go. <laughs> yes, it is, and for them to cancel it, that was like, yeah, these folks are serious. So, I ended up finding a lot of smaller races to do. Okay. Um, races that I didn't know existed before, that wasn't on the radar before which allowed me to meet a lot of great people. Um, I I discovered Savannah, Georgia, which I'm in love with. Um, It's a a gem. It's, it's a little hidden off. It's off the city. You take the drive and it, it, it is beautiful. And they have a marathon over there. So my rock and roll marathon for Savannah got canceled. So I had to find another one. And I found another island marathon over there. And it was just so wonderful and beautiful. Um, But as I went through the year running these marathons, uh, they took a toll on me trying to do them every week. And I was, you know, didn't have any idea just how much, uh, cause my, my goal time to finish the marathon was five hours and five minutes for my 50th birthday. But my very first marathon, I wasn't able to do it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then it just only got worse afterwards. So I started going backwards from like six hours and um, a half. I was around six hours and six and a half hours, six hours and 15 minutes. And then things just got longer and longer to where it was taking me longer to finish them. Um, However, I did finish. I went to 46 states. Okay. And I got stuck in Houston one time. Um, I wasn't able to leave because um, if anybody was flying once they opened back up, from the pandemic, you realize that you got stuck in airports 
People was literally living out of the airports for days to weeks at a time trying to get back home. Good thing is the flight for Houston, I'm from Houston. So when they didn't have a flight, uh, a plane, a crew, pilots, by the time they got pilots and a, a plane and a crew to come in to Houston, mm-hmm. um, I missed my window of opportunity for my connection in Chicago to get to Alaska. So I wasn't able to finish Alaska. And then I, I didn't finish um, uh, about, let's see, four, uh, three other ones where I got stuck in Denver, Colorado, of all places. Wow. So. I would have connecting flights up to the, you know, the Northwest and the plane area yeah, and get to Denver. And there's like no planes, no pilots, no crews. And so so frustrating. Yeah. Not as frustrating as showing up in um, below freezing temperatures somewhere and they overbooked hotels and not oh, having a place to stay. Oh yeah, it gets it gets yeah. terrible. I because I'm I'm from the north, so I know when it gets in these negative degrees, people don't realize like yeah. it's real. Like it's real. It's cold. It's a it's a crisp cut your face cold. Like when they say cover up, I mean cover up because man, yes. it's really cold. So yeah, I understand. And I just want to go back to. <clears throat> your story and when you were talking about how you got shot and how the person was basically out to just kill you i mean that's that is an amazing testimony right there and the fact that you've seen and you felt the spirit of god just guide you through that moment i mean that's that's a one in a million experience you know what i mean that's a validating experience to realize like you're dealing with a living god that is alive and yes. wants the best for us. And to, to know that you decided to switch the switch your story around because after that when you said you went through a depression you went through your PTSD, PTSD I mean that's that's understandable I mean come on how could you not you know what I mean how could you not after which you almost died you know you almost left your children fatherless you know I mean that's that's a hard thing to to do to 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 think about and to even experience you know so to hear your story I mean that's it's amazing to me because I could only imagine the challenges you had to convince yourself. And it's funny because people think that just because you know God and you follow God, that you no longer have to deal with depression and you no longer have to deal with sadness. But in reality, we're human and we still deal with that. You know what I mean? But it's the grace of God that's so good that helps us keep going. And I can see that's what you were holding on to. And that's what kept on making you keep going and going. And Because let's be honest, you stop. I'm like, yeah, you know what, God? He kept saying no. So you know what? No, I'm just going to sit down and relax and just chill because my butt hurts anyways. You know what I mean? Like you could have made so many excuses, but you were so determined. And that's so beautiful to me. It was, I mean, it was either that or ball up in a corner somewhere and, and, and just die. Yeah. I mean, literally it was, um, so first of all, I'm an introvert posing as an extrovert to people. So I'm this this people's person, but when this happened, I'm going through something I've never experienced in my life. 
um, PTSD, um, hallucinations. Um, Those are real. Yeah. And I, wow. So when I've had my first hallucination, I was just, it was, it was a very scary experience. It is, um, it is a very experience, a very scary experience, yeah. especially when you associate it with the traumatic event that you experience because it feels so real and it's it's intense. You know what I mean? Feel and look. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're not look. wrong. So, yeah. yeah. Your body is going through that same that same experience and it doesn't know anything different. But then you sit in there and you like my hallucination was of the gentleman that shot me. Yeah. So he was sitting there with the gun just grinning at me. And here I am laying in my bed afraid to move because I'm thinking he's gonna shoot me. Yeah. Um so yeah, it was it was a um I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm gonna have to fight to get out of this darkness. I'm gonna have to fight to get out of this because it just wasn't the shooting that took place at work. Um, and I really don't know all the details to what happened because back then um, they covered up everything. The police covered up stuff. The The company I worked for was a multi-billion dollar company. They covered up stuff. It's not like it is today when shootings happen, people want answers. And so yeah. these companies can't just throw their money around and cover up things. Yeah. Uh, however, unfortunately for me, that was the case back then. They, yeah. you know, threw their money around and uh, the higher ups came into town and did what they needed to do. The police swept the case under the rugs. Um, they lied about the guys, nobody willing to testify against them. And I'm like, y'all didn't even ask me. And it took about two years um, after it happened for me to even find out and the Houston Police Department, where my case was even located. Wow. I ended up finding out that it was um, with a detective in the organized crime unit. And and here it is. I'm at work doing my job, not even thinking about, hey, I'm going to get shot today. <laughs> Something happens, and I recognize that people need to get to safety. So I'm getting the it was me and another manager that was my boss that was there we were closing managers and so i'm getting people to safety um and this goes down i end up getting shot um other people got shot but i was the worst um, nobody died you know by the grace of god um yeah. But then after that, because of what happened, you know, I began to get treated as though I was the criminal. Like I did this to myself. You know, and that's I always it always ends up happening that way, where the victim is ends up being the 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 suspect, and it's yes. and, it, and it's not fair. It's truly not fair. And is this why you kind of wrote your book to tell the truth, to 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 be authentic to everything that yes. was. That was silenced. Yeah. And so that's the book cover that you see behind me, Metal Monday. Um, and it's it's me sharing part of my story. It was very therapeutic. I, it didn't start off as a book. Um, 
it just started off with me talking to a friend of mine um, about my runs because he would he would often do articles or blogs on me. So after every week, we sat and we talked uh, like you and I pretty much are doing through Zoom. And the next thing you know, it it I mean he's like man you know I have a it's uh, like I got a a book going on here. And so he he puts it in, in book form. And after everything is done, it takes a year and a half to do the book because, you know, it's happening as I'm traveling um, and things are going on as I'm going going through the traveling. Um, I'm one run. I was out. Um, we was we were running on a, uh, a old railroad. They call them rails to trails. Um, marathons. And so we're on this old railroad track where, you know, railroads used to go through uh, in the farm country and we're running as beautiful as peaceful. And then all of a sudden you hear what they call, they call it a trap house, which, you know, I was like, okay. Mm, you know, my version a of a trap house. house. Yeah. Like my version of a trap house is it? <laughs> Yeah, that's not, but so they were having a gun exhibition and, you know, they called it a trap house, but, you know, people haven't been out doing anything in the longest. So they had all these people and it was about probably between three quarters of a mile and a mile away from where we were running. But the guns that they were shooting were so powerful that you can feel the vibration or the recoil. And so you had people that were running that were Vietnam vets. Um, you Everybody must have been that, freaking out. Yeah. So you had people that were just regular people that have never been through war or been shot and this and that. And they were freaking out. And they kept saying it felt like I was being shot while I was running. It felt like I was being shot at while I was running. So what I ended up doing, I ended up pulling out my phone recording myself, looking at myself, talking myself through this area. And it seemed like it took forever to get through. And so when I got to the end, I was like, it was the turnaround. We had to go back. And I was like, I can't go back through that. I was like, I was done. So I, that I only did like, um, uh, 13, uh, 13, the 13 and a about 13.1. And then you turn around to go back 13.1 to have a 26.2, but I couldn't do it. Oh yeah. I couldn't I do you. it. I, I, I couldn't do that either. That's very <laughs> triggering. You know what yeah. I mean? And I wasn't the only one. <laughs> I, w- I was yeah. not the only one. Um, but yeah, it was not. So I, I came across things like that. Um, oh, that's intense. That, those are very intense moments. And I thank you for sharing them with me because I, I, I was going to ask, but you already hit the nail on the gun. So thank you for that. Because man, people don't realize that what you may find as something in, a joyful, somebody else may find that as something like not joyful at all. You terrorizing. Know I mean? Exactly. Terrorizing, freaking out, very traumatizing. Fearful. And people don't realize, like, shooting your gun, blasting fireworks at random times, at random hours, at random locations, those are triggering for a lot of individuals with with really bad PTSD, especially those vets, because, man, 
what they've been through is real and what you went through is real. And anybody who has been shot at can relate to your story. And I thank you for sharing it with me. And I thank you for giving me this authenticity of who you are, of basically saying, you know, I'm an introvert, but I had to come out and be an extrovert because reality with an introvert too. We have to sometimes break out yeah. of our shell, you know, and it's hard because we're so comfortable being in who we are and being just by ourselves because being yeah. around people is like completely draining, you know, so to push yourself out there to really challenge yourself after something really traumatic, I applaud you for this. I completely yeah. applaud you for Thank this. Thank you. This is, this is something that is beautiful. This is a beautiful story that you can tell people and you can leave off with your children and they can see, man, my dad almost died, but then he survived and he may have struggled, but then he pursued forward and now he's a greater man for it. And that is a beautiful thing to leave to your children. You know, they have that yes. moment so that when they when they face something challenging, they can be like, you know what? My dad did it. I can do it. I can keep on going. And just or just not even your children just the people who are listening yeah Aaron you have can do to it. you can it. do it too and that's yes. the thing that's the that's the whole point of what i'm trying to call, like have people realize like people really need to think about their lives differently because there's been so many other people who have lived a hard life as well and they kept on going so there's no point for you to stop there's no point for you to stop. You know, life may feel like it's stopped, but you know what? Just because you took a break and a pause to breathe doesn't mean your world has ended. It means just that, you know what? It's time to shake it off and start walking slowly. Go at your pace. And I love, love, love that. And ladies yes. and gentlemen, if you want to have Aaron's book, if you want to get to it, I have the I have the link to get his graph copy so that you can find out and read more about his stories and what he's gone through because this is really interesting so i thank you and i guess to wrap up the show before it cuts us off what can be some lasting words of wisdom that you can leave my audience off that maybe going through something that you experience because let's be honest we hear it about shootings all the time so it's common now you know we're, we're expected to hear about a shooting almost every three to six months that's a sad day in america but that's our america now so what yeah. can be, be some lasting words that you can leave us off with i would say um you're never prepared you can never be prepared for it you don't know i don't care unless you train like the military or um or even the police and some police aren't even prepared for it. Yeah. You'll never be prepared for it. So I tell people all the time, watch your surroundings. Um, don't take threats lightly. I don't care who they come from, whether it's family or friends or strangers. If somebody threatened to do something like this, especially at work, because I reported the stuff at work and um, after it happened, it was like, oh, we thought they were playing. And it was like, really? Um, but don't take threats lightly. Um, don't let people have an easy way out of their responsibilities as leaders in a company, uh, in an organization, or your family, police, wherever. Because you you have a right 
to be secure in your person. That's that's part of our constitution. And so that's why we have police and, you know, the presence of police, the homeland security, all these things. Um, so just be very, very mindful. Um, I know for me, I had sort of a, a um, shooter's guilt, if you will. I think Vic, uh, being a victim of a shooting, I had uh, a guilt where I got shot five times. However, I knew a lady who got struck by a bullet during celebratory um, firing of a weapon on, on the 4th of July, a couple of blocks away, it came down, hit her in the neck and she died. So those type of things really challenge me as to like, why, why did I get to live? Why did this person die after just getting struck by a straight bullet? Um, the, the, the Uvalde that happened here in Texas, that was extremely hard for me to deal with. Um, so you have to take your safety in your own hands for you and your family when you're out, when you're about, um, especially in the schools, things of that nature. Don't take these things lightly. Get involved, stay involved, because when it comes down to it, um, people are not going to look out for you like you will. Yes, yes, that's so true. Thank you for saying that, because it needs to be said. It needs to be thought about. People need to realize, you know what? It's not just rainbows and gummy drops or whatever people want to call it. You yes. know, the re the reality is that we have to be observant of our surroundings. We have to have all of what you just said, because the reality is the world is ugly. There's evil people Fair. out there. And yes. You know what? If you get caught in the cross rock of those people that are seeking evil or just they just it just it just oozes out of them you know what i mean like come on like it just oozes out of them where they just naturally are just bad people because i'm sorry there are bad people and there are good people but when you interact with a bad person it leaves a nasty taste in your mouth forever yes. when you deal with those good people Man, those people, man, they really give you hope for humanity. And I'm glad that you you wrote this book and I'm glad that you shared your story because it gives people hope again. It gives people this acknowledgement. You know what? Like, I need to think about my life differently, my children's life differently, my surroundings differently, how people talk to me differently. You know what I mean? That they, people, It's a wake-up call. Yes. You know what I mean? People need to be not be so nonchalant and act like everything's okay. And you can be, you can be just like nothing, chimmy chimmy with the world. And you can't. You can't be like that. And that's no, the truth of the world that we live in, you know? And, and I you got to hold people accountable for yes. their jobs, especially when it comes to the police. Um, as I, I talk about it in the book when I was at the Baltimore Running Festival weekend. They had a big tattoo conviction up convention up in Baltimore. Um, they had a big concert that was going on too. And they also had a big NFL game. So it was a lot of people in Baltimore, uh, Maryland at that time. And I found myself in a situation where there was another incident public where this guy was about to shoot some people. Um, I started filming him. He got mad at me pretty much like the guy from work and 
you know, so he threatened to kill me. But at that time, I was fighting for my life. He just didn't realize it. So I got in his face and I was like, Tody. And I said, I won't be the first time I got shot. And he told me, he he, he said, yeah, but you ain't get shoot, shot in the head. And he, you know, did this towards me. And I told him, I said, well, then do it. And he just looked at me and smiled and shook his head and he rode off. Um, later, the police would talk to me and stuff. This guy went around and started shooting people randomly. And so I, you know, was letting them know about the police officers earlier. And so one of the police officers was a federal officer that was out there. And he was like, Oh, I thought that guy was just playing. And it just ticked me off. Cause that's mm -hmm. what I heard. And I'm like, what you mean? People are telling you he had a gun on him, but you know, this guy just didn't want to confront yeah, anybody with a gun. Yeah. It's scary. Because he's, he's a federal officer. I mean, he got his bulletproof vest on, he got his weapon on him and everything. And he, he's, sitting there, we were in front of um, the Under Armour corporate store in Baltimore, Maryland, where it happened. One of the guys he went to go shoot happened to be an undercover police officer who put his gun at the same time. Wow. And so that guy had his wife with him, so he didn't want to engage with the person. He was just trying to protect his wife. He was off duty. You know, he had a service weapon with him. And I'm sitting up here like, wow. And so all these security officers, all these police officers that people have been complaining that this guy has been going around talking about he's going to shoot up the place, shoot up people. None of them did anything. And you know what their excuse was? Oh, we thought we thought he was just playing. Yeah, that's that that was just a cop out excuse for not wanting to do your job, to not wanting to actually do something about it because you know what you wanted to just can't take the easy road out. That's yep. basically what it is to me. Well, and I and if I nothing hate else is a terroristic that. threat. It is. And so. it doesn't matter exactly. If you're you're terrorizing humanity, you're terrorizing yeah. the people around you. I absolutely agree. Oh my goodness. Yes. So the next I, morning at the marathon, when we went out at the marathon, um, I had to go out early because I was being interviewed by the news station um but when you went out they they amended the security at the marathon they had you know way more police presence they had the uh, military there they yeah, had man. snipers it, on the roof they had too late for that right too yeah, late for that yeah, not, not not for the marathon um but for the other events that happened the previous day it was because the guy went around shooting people and that's the sad thing about it, is that something tragic has to happen for people to actually take real action. And it shouldn't be like that. And it sucks. No. But I don't want us to get cut off because it's about to wrap up. Well, I love these conversations when they get so good where it's like time is just escaping. Like these like great conversations. Thank you so much, Aaron. You have been such a delight to be on my show. You